All right, my name is Russ, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Couch Rotato Podcast. And I've got an awesome episode lined up for you guys and gals today. My good friend Cole from the Knights of Degradation Podcast swings by to talk about his show, the Knights of Degradation Podcast. He tells me all about what inspired him to start his show and some of the trials and tribulations on being an independent podcaster while working 40 hours a week and trying to spend time with his family. Also, him and I will give to you the top five dream guests that we want on our show, whether they're dead or alive. Sounds pretty cool, right? Well, after this guitar riff, we bring to you the Couch Rotato Podcast. And welcome back to the Couch Rotato Podcast. My name is Russ, the master of ceremonies, if you will. And joining me on today's show is the founder, creator, the king of the Knights of Degradation podcast, Cole. Welcome back to the show, man. How have you been? Oh, I've been good, man. Thanks for having me. It's been a hot minute. Yeah, it's been over a year, I think, right, since we've done any sort of crossover or anything? I think the last time you were on the show was when... Uh, we did a AEW double or nothing review, which was almost a year ago. Oh, that's right. I remember listening to that and thinking, God, I sound like such a dick. He's not going to have me back on. <laughs> well, no, it's not that. I mean, I've, I've had people that have been far worse, far bigger assholes than that. I I'm sure you may have heard the, uh, the, uh, when we had Mark on for the uh, critically pan night or midnight run episode, yeah, he was a much bigger dick. <laughs> okay. Um, well, good. You, you follow much wrestling lately? I know uh, you were kind of getting out of it for a little bit. Yeah. So I, you know, since AEW started, I every Dynamite, every Rampage, every pay per view. But when uh, I watched, I used to watch on Fight TV with a VPN. And they kind of made that a little more difficult to do. And so now I can't really watch live. I have to wait 30 days for the episodes to appear back on Fight TV. And that just kind of soured me. And I was already just getting burnt out, honestly, since the uh, brawl out (laughs) event. I think that I just got a little, I don't know, there's not a better term than burnout, I guess, over it. So I'm just taking a break, maybe six months or so, and then I'll hop back in and kind of catch up on what I miss. And hopefully I have a little bit more enthusiasm about it. So I'm still, still a wrestling fan. You know, I'm just taking a break. That's all. But you know, honestly, the XFL has been on and I've gotten into that. So I can kind of only have one, one like entertainment hobby at a time. Yeah. Well, I know for me, like I, I can uh, sympathize with CM Punk, you know, where he works with, so and, like right in the middle of us talking, my dog is sitting here in his dog bowl, just fucking up a bowl of water. Like he has, like we don't feed and like give these dogs water. He's just like tearing into this, and now he's gone. My dogs usually make some kind of appearance on these. It's either one of my dogs is hacking up a lung, or now the other one is in here just killing a bottle or a bowl of water. Um, but I empathize with CM Punk. I. I know it's like to be frustrated with coworkers and he has said stuff that I I have felt many, many times during my, my work career. So <clears throat> I get it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I guess I, I mean, I know what it's like to work with coworkers that suck, but also I making those comments on a live broadcast and, 
And then the way it was handled afterwards seemed kind of bad. And like, he just won the world title. So I feel like he could have just toned it down a little bit. I will say that I want to use as my email signature at work is I'm old and I'm tired. And I work with fucking children. I want to use that as my signature on my email at work, but they might frown upon that. Yeah, maybe. Um, Be careful, man. Don't, don't talk too bad about your employees. They'll come and kick your door down. And then one of them will bite you in the arm and, Hey, if they want to send me home for six months paid, I'll I'm totally cool with that. <laughs> well, I I just read an interview. I guess I don't, I didn't like read too deep into it, but apparently there's talks of him coming back. So I you know I yeah. don't know how that'll work, but yeah, he's uh from what I heard, I was just reading this before uh, you and I hopped on here to do this. He apparently had agreed to terms to come back, and then he had posted something on his Instagram story where he's basically knocking uh, John Moxley had proposed this Rocky three type of storyline. And I think the most shocking thing of all that is CM Punk has never watched a Rocky movie. (laughs) As a matter of fact, on the the show I do uh, on our Twitter feed, I do a poll question of the day. And right after that came out, I had put, if you were friends with CM Punk and he calls you and says, Hey, I finally want to watch a Rocky movie. Which one would you recommend to him? And I believe Rocky Four won that. That's funny. I saw that and I didn't vote because I just I've seen the Rockies, but I do not remember any of them. They had like no impact on me. So I was like, oh, I shouldn't vote. I don't really know which one would would matter. Oh, now, see, I'm the exact opposite, man. Those movies are my wheelhouse. Like I I actually just watched Rocky Four like a week before all that shit happened. So. That's wild. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even see the Instagram post, so I don't know if he was. I mean, if he's trashing Moxley, that's and I'm a big Moxley fan, so yeah, he had uh, he had said something about um, Moxley, Jericho, uh, and Dave Meltzer, which Dave Meltzer, f- cool, fair game, man. Dave Meltzer's a yeah, he knows he knows like where he's at. He's fine. Right. Um, but I mean, okay, just let's just let's just talk crap about the two biggest stars and of the company. And I don't know. I don't, I don't get why he would do that. Yeah, I don't know, man. But you know what, though? Uh, keep it coming. Uh, all this backstage stuff going on between the shit in AEW and then like, you know, the WWE being on the market for sale. It's it's given my show plenty of things to talk about. So like I've not. I try to like diversify a little bit. So I'm not focusing on wrestling too much, but man, there's just like, it's so easy when you've got, you know, all this backstage stuff coming yeah, in the public. Like, yeah. It's, and it sucks. Cause you don't know how much of it's manufactured. I think that's another thing I got sick of. Like I remember last year, like towards the end of last year, the members of the house of black just wanted to take a break for like a few weeks. And so now there's all these things about like, Oh, they're unhappy and they're going to WWE and they're turning their backs on the company that helped them and stuff. And I was like, they do, they just want, like, I think uh, black actually released a video and was just like, Hey, I just took time off, like chill, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think that's part of my burnout too, is just all of this drama and you never know what's real and what's, you know, what's the phrase like working yourself into a shoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I was doing that a lot. So, yeah, 
But hey, you know what though? Like I'm, I'm totally cool with it. Sometimes uh, when the, I I've always found that the backstage stuff is just as fascinating as the stuff on TV. It's just simply because like it seems like it's more of a soap opera behind the scenes than it is when the cameras are rolling. So. Right. I I was talking to Mercedes, one of the last ones we watched, and I was like, man, it's like a fucking high school that puts on a play once a week. Mm-hmm. But then you got to deal with all the high school drama, yeah. <laughs> you know, backstage. Mm-hmm. So I I get it because that's you just have that really wherever you work or most places where you work. And it's just, uh, you know, just so happens that where they work, we see them every week and, mm-hmm. you know, they're celebrities, quote unquote celebrities. So, yeah all the stuff they do is under a microscope. I mean, if I like kicked my employees, you know, if I went and got in a fight with my employees and, or my coworkers and bit one of them, you know, it wouldn't make the news. I would just get fired. <laughs> so, well, not necessarily. I've done that before. It actually happened when I worked at the, the big blue, uh, electronics retailer, I actually bit one of my managers and they sent me <laughs> oh, home for yeah. the day. Oh, well, no, that actually didn't know. happen. I totally made, oh, made okay. that story up. <laughs> See, I believed it. That's why I can't. I can't read the dirt sheets. I only look like a rabbit dog. I'm not a rabbit dog. I only just look like one. <laughs> I um, disagree. I spend all day around rabbit dogs. You're, you're, you're a handsome man. Oh well, flattery on this show will get you everywhere. Um, all right. So, how's the podcast going, man? I know uh, you guys have been on a hiatus for a little bit. So, uh, what's going on with that? And, uh, before you go into that, uh, for those that are kind of new to the show. Uh, let everybody know uh, exactly what the Knights of Degradation podcast is and where they can hear it. Yeah, so the Knights of Degradation podcast is the first first production or product or whatever you call from uh, Soldier Bear Studios, which is the, the LLC or the company that, that I run or that me and John run. And uh, basically it's a Dungeons & Dragons a tabletop role playing like actual play podcast. So we sit around and we play D and D and then we record it. And then I edit it to make it seem more like an audio drama. I take out a lot of the dead air and a lot of the out of game talk. And it's just more about the narrative. It's, it's really character focused and story focused mm-hmm. and it's, it's, a, it's so much fun. It's amazing. I mean, it's the kind of stuff I like doing in high school, but it just feels it's on a, on a, you know, more professional level. Mm-hmm. And it's been, it's been great. It's been going pretty good. Our numbers were great. People, you know, we had quite a big fan base, but we keep having these really long breaks. And I was telling Mercedes the other day, I was like, I don't even feel like an independent podcaster. I don't feel like an indie podcaster. I feel like I'm a gorilla podcaster. Like I'm coming out of the bushes and podcasting for a couple months and then I'm going back in and, you know, and I'm waiting another year before I start again. Mm-hmm. But, but we, we, you know, we got our studio, which is really helped out. And now we have a pretty good plan for how we're going to record and we're going to do it more in seasons. Mm-hmm. So like we just wrapped up recording season one and John actually helped me figure out cause I was doing all the editing and it was taking, it was taking me like two weeks to edit one episode and John uh, helped me out. And then I did some stuff on my own. Now I'm editing an entire episode in about four hours. Oh, okay. Pretty awesome. So it's definitely moving along pretty quick. So, uh, all of, all of April's episodes were coming back in April. All of their episodes are already up. I'll have all of May's up probably by the end of next week. So, okay. It's pretty good. I think we, we geared up and started coming back. And then I don't know if you saw all that stuff that happened with wizards of the coast, uh, what they were doing to like independent creators, basically trying to steal from them. 
Mm-hmm. And that just really, really put us off. So we we talked about that for a while to figure out how to navigate through that and what to do with that. Mm-hmm. So uh, I didn't know that there was a kind of a big controversy in that world. What's what was that all about? Um, there is a lot of stuff to it, uh, but and I'll be honest, I'm not a very smart person. But but from what I understood, well, that makes it, two of us. That's why we do podcasting for free. Yeah. Well, simply Wizard of the Coast released a statement that said they're updating their open gaming license. But right now, anyone's allowed to use Dungeons and Dragons and basically everything inside of it. So the monsters they create, the classes, the worlds and stuff, you're allowed to use that stuff for like podcasts. You're allowed to make extra content for it. You put it up on Kickstarter or sell your books about it. Well, they released something basically saying that, yeah, you can still do that, but you're going to have to pay us money. You're going to have to show us like financial records and stuff. And then hidden in there was a little clause that said they can actually take any property, anything you make with their property, and they can decide that they want to use that. And then you're not allowed to use it anymore. And it actually had a thing in there to where you can't take legal action against them. So, uh our characters are Cavagal, Barlow, and Griff. That's who the characters play. If we kept going like that, Wizards could just say, hey, we like those characters. We're going to take them and put them in an official book. We're not going to give you any money, and you can't do anything about it, and you can't use them anymore, which was beyond shitty. And it, so many people got upset, and they made this big uproar. And at first, they tried to like gaslight everybody and say, no, 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 we're doing good stuff. This is good. You're just haters and racist and all this stuff. Uh, and then people kept being pissed off, so they totally walked it back, and they made everything basically public domain, uh, except for a few specific stuff. So they, they walked it back, and everything's fine now. It's actually easier to be a creator now, but I just I just hate that they did that. Mm-hmm. And I have a really hard time using a product from a business that does something, what I find to be like really immoral and unethical, so... I don't know. We're we haven't announced this like in our show yet. We're waiting till the end of the first season because it was already mostly recorded as this was happening or before this happened. But for season two, we're not going to be playing Dungeons and Dragons anymore. We're going to be playing a whole different system, and we're not going to be doing anything involving Wizards of the Coast because I just man, if they try to do that once, they're just going to try to do it again later, you know. And I, you know, above all else, as a creator, like if you create something, it's yours, and no one has the right to steal it. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they tried to do that just pissed me off. So that kind of set us back a little bit because we didn't know what to do. Uh, we talked about just stopping all together, but I really like what we've built. And I think we've built one of the coolest worlds and characters and stuff. And I didn't want to just give that up because some company was being shitty. Yeah. Yeah, that that blows my mind that like there's that kind of that kind of drama in that world, you know? Yeah, well, Wizards is owned by Hasbro. Oh, well, okay. Yeah, so that that kind of tells you right there. And it's funny because like the people in charge of D anD D just have no idea what they're doing, and most of them haven't even played D anD D for that long. And the person I forget the lady's name, but they per- the person they put in charge of it, she actually her entire background is in monetization and video games, like how to increase microtransactions and how to get more money out of video games. So when she came over, it was like a really bad sign anyways. So we're, we don't know exactly what system we're going with. We even talked about making our own, but we're just going to yeah. switch it up and, and just go from there. And then I think that's better. Cause it even, it makes us our own even more. If that makes sense, it makes us more unique. Mm-hmm. 
Do you think the movie coming out had something to do with that? I, I don't think so. I think they, I think it was their plan all along, honestly. Um, I think they just want to monetize everything. Uh, they, they see what like EA is doing with their video games where it's like, cool, we can make money from people wanting to buy an, you know, a digital t-shirt for their character to wear in game. They'll give us a dollar for that. Mm-hmm. And they just wanted to find a way to turn that, you know, take that model and apply it to tabletop gaming. And I think what actually did it is, I don't know if you remember when the Twitch, like how much Twitch streamers made leaked. Yeah. And Critical Role was number one, and Critical Role is a D&D podcast, and they were making, like, millions and millions and millions of dollars on Twitch. I think Wizards saw that and said, holy shit, look what our creators are making. Yeah, we're leaving we, all this money on the table for everybody else, yeah. Yeah, so I I guess as a company, like, you know, I believe in capitalism and businesses should be able to do what they want, but on the flip side, the business is something I didn't like, uh, fuck them, you know? So. <laughs> yeah, do your own thing. Fuck them, guys. Yeah, so that's our plan. And like with with Soldier Bear Studios, the whole point is for us to start finding creative ways to tell stories. So it's mm. it's like I said, it's better for us to be kind of more on our own. The only downside is like when people search for a podcast like that, they Google Dungeons and Dragons podcast. So I think it's going to make us harder to find. But, you know, we'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you got a good game plan. It just I mean, just for me, this I've had struggles with just marketing my podcast. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've described my show as the worst podcast on the internet. It's kind of a joke, but I don't think what we're doing over here is too bad, but I've also, I've always struggled with like marketing because I, I don't have quite that, uh, that fan base built in that you, you guys did over there. Um, yeah. So, I mean, like, have you had any challenges with marketing your show or has it been pretty easy where, you know? I, yeah, I think the biggest challenge is that, like, if you Google how to market a podcast, right? Oh, the biggest, thing, the biggest thing that comes up is, oh, you need to get on Twitter and you need to get on social media and you need to follow all these other creators to help get your show out. And that's just the biggest load of garbage, in my opinion. I think it's awesome to see what other creators are doing and to boost each other up. But I always say that Twitter is like a flea market where people only go to the sell stuff. No one goes there to buy anything. Yeah. So people people aren't going to Twitter to discover new podcasts to listen to for the most part. So like Knights of Degradation, we have over a thousand followers on Twitter, which isn't a lot, but it's, you know, something. And I I honestly think the if we look at it, we get the least traffic from from Twitter. So mm. that like you know, likes and clicks and stuff on Twitter does or like likes and retweets don't really equate to more downloads. That's why we started asking for reviews instead of just sharing people's stuff. We said, Hey, if you listen to our show and review it, we'll do the same for you. And that actually got us way, way more traffic and way more like consistent downloads where someone would come listen and then continue to listen. The only issue with that, man, is it took up like my whole weekend listening to all these podcasts and giving them reviews and stuff. Mm. Oh, I I think, yeah, with, with marketing, the biggest thing is just there's no – you don't really know how. The best way to honestly market a podcast is to pay for ads for your demographic that you're trying to reach. That's what is going to work. But being like, like a startup or an independent podcaster, it's hard to sink the money into doing that to make it worthwhile. I've, I've thought about starting – well, when Lucas was a part of the show, we were going to do an OnlyFans. <laughs> yeah. 
and have him do the podcast and gently, you know, throughout the show, he would just record himself, you know, doing whatever, whether it was just like, I know there's like only fans or fans like they want to see fat guys spill pudding all over their chest or, you know, take the clothes off, whatever. But yeah, we're going to have, we're going to try to find a, a niche there and have Lucas do it and then generate revenue and audience listens that way. Well, heck, man, that you wouldn't even have to do the podcast then. You just got you guys just do that and you're set. Yeah, I just I feel like we were going down a slippery slope though because you know Lucas is the talent. It's kind of like one of those boogie nights things. I would be like Jack Horner and Lucas would be Dirk Diggler, <laughs> and I just don't want to send, yeah. like I just don't want Lucas to go down the the wrong path. Yeah, I I get I appreciate that. Yeah, As a friend of Lucas, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um. So what was your inspiration for starting a podcast? Well, um, kind of a long, like, dramatic story, but I'll try to paraphrase it. I have I mean, I've loved D&D since I was little, and we actually used to record we like a, an, on an old cassette player. We'd record our sessions and then listen to them and just laugh about it later. Mm-hmm. But really it started because of kind of co- like COVID and being in furlough because, like, when I was at the big blue store, I took some time off for some health reasons. And then I came back. And then two days after I came back is when the lockdowns happened and they furloughed everybody. And at the time I was like, well, I have really bad asthma. My wife has asthma. We don't know what the hell is going on. So I chose to take a little bit of time off and I just felt so useless because my wife works in the medical field. So she was going to work 16 hours a day and I was staying at home like, fucking just being a blob on the couch. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, I really need to get, get back to how I used to be. And like, it's been a part of it's where I used to work. Like that job just sucked the life out of me. Mm -hmm. But other things was too. I just kind of lost my identity. I didn't really play video games anymore. I didn't play D and D anymore. I didn't do any of the stuff that I, I like to do. I wasn't doing anything creative. And that's, that, that was really it. I just had that realization um, it's funny cause we're called Knights of degradation, which is kind of a, was that an oxymoron? Cause when a, knight yeah, okay. lo- when a, when a knight loses their knighthood, like when a King strips their knighthood away, it's called degradation. So that's, that's where that came from. And I remember I talked, I was talking to Mercedes and I was like, man, I feel like a knight who used to be this great honorable person. And now I just had that all stripped away. And she asked me if there was a word for that. And I Googled it. That's, what, that's how I found that out. So that's that's how I knew I wanted to do something creative. And mm. then I just did that whole like, well, what do, what am I good at? What have I spent 10,000 hours doing? And there's only one thing I've spent that much time doing, and it's playing D&D and writing and creating characters and stuff. So that's why it's kind of more of a narrative-focused podcast. Mm-hmm. And that was the inspiration behind the whole the whole business right now, honestly, is I just want to get back to telling fun, entertaining stories. Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like your story is very similar to mine. I just, I did it. <clears throat> For me, it was because when COVID locked everything down, everything that I like to do for entertainment was shut down. I couldn't go to the movies. I couldn't go to sporting events. There was not like anything, like sports wasn't even on TV. And just like all this stuff that I enjoyed doing had just, been taken away from me. So I needed something to kind of pass the time. So I always wanted to get into the podcasting game and just never really 
took much uh, initiative to start. And then once COVID hit and I had nothing to do with my free time, like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I need to do it now. Yeah, I remember because you you started yours a little bit before I started mine, I think. And I remember talking about it. And I think we were talking about like mics and stuff like that, because that's where uh, John, who worked who worked at the store, too, is who helped me kind of navigate, you know, like the audio stuff. And then he ended up coming on the show, which was kind of cool. But I I always think of that because we kind of started around the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's why I feel I feel like we're like a podcast, like our podcasts or podcast sisters or brothers or whatever yeah we're a podcast family yeah yeah exactly like i'll that's why i like doing crossovers and stuff Mm -hmm. like this for sure but it's yeah and i i remember we when we went and saw uh tenant i think that's what we saw where we rent you guys rented out the theater and stuff so it was just you know all of us and on the way back my wife was talking and i was like yeah I, i just like i feel bad for russ because as far as i know he goes to all these concerts and goes to the movies all the time like he really likes to get out and do fun stuff and you're just not able to do that because of covid and i you know i think that's something a lot of people go through but i i know you personally so i i always i don't know i think about that sometimes i think it sucks Mm -hmm. but they look i mean you said you just went to a convention and stuff and i know you went to a concert recently i think maybe it's been a little while uh Concerts have gotten uh, progressively more expensive in the last year, and I'll save that for a different, uh, okay, a different episode. But yeah, I don't get to do that as much. But I'm finding other avenues to, um, like spend some of my free time. But I know for me, just uh, you said that one of the things that you were really good at and uh, stuff that you love to do is play D and D, and like that was my my wheelhouse is like music, movies, sports, and wrestling, and when I first started this, I just made it strictly a movie podcast. And then it's kind of like, I felt like I was hamstringing myself by that one topic. And, uh, I kind of wanted to branch out and talk about some of the other stuff I like too. So that's kind of where the reformat came into play. Yeah, for sure. And I, that's worked out for you, right? You're in like the top, what do you like the the top in uh, good pods or god pods or whatever? Yeah, good pods. I mean, that's kind of like being like I don't know the honor roll at your school. <laughs> well, hey man, like you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, I mean, if anyone on good pods listens, I mean, I I apologize. I mean, it's a f- wonderful format to help you get discovered, but you know, I aspire for bigger and better. But um, yeah, it's been it's been kind of cool just being able to talk and like I I feel like. Because the whole genesis for my show starting out was just um, when we all used to work for Big Blue, we'd always have these really fun, engaging conversations in our warehouse about anything. And it could be, you know, something as simple like you would come in there and we would talk about wrestling, you know, for 15, 20 minutes. And then someone else would come in and they would talk to me about uh, MMA and then you know, throughout the day, someone else, we would talk about, you know, an upcoming movie coming out. And I was like, that's kind of the vibe I was going for. It was just like kind of like rehashing that vibe, but recording it, putting it into a podcast. So I like that, man. That was the best part of working there, honestly, is, is going back there. Always tried to find, I mean, towards the end, they like had to ban people from going back there because it was the only place that wasn't completely miserable for the sales force, so. Yeah, we tried to make it fun. 
Um, so, uh, I don't know if you've listened to the show lately, but um, we try to create like a list uh, around the episode that we're doing. And um, I thought for us, a good, a good like top five list for us to do today would be like the top five people. Like if you could get anybody dead or alive to be on your podcast, who would it be and why? Oh, so, I didn't know it was dead or alive. Well, I, I mean, <laughs> most of like half of my list is dead people, and half of them would be alive. If I had the Bill and Ted's phone booth, I would go back and get these people. Like, hey, man, come on, I want to talk to you about whatever. Okay. So yeah, just Why imagine you we... have the Bill and Ted's phone booth. Okay. Well, I, I immediately, my whole list just changed immediately because I even thought of some people and I was like, why well, can't pick them? They're dead. That, that would never happen. So that's cool. That makes it a little more fun opening up to that. Yeah. You, so you're going to get Beethoven and Genghis Khan and Abraham Lincoln? No, man. Because I just spoiled my list right there. <laughs> no. So my favorite, uh, well, I don't know if you want to jump into it or not. I yeah, we'll go ahead and start. I'm, I'm curious to hear who you have. Well, if we're doing dead or alive, Ronnie Dangerfield, hundred percent. Okay, and yeah. Let yeah. me let me preface first by saying, since our podcast is like a narrative podcast, because uh, we we do we used to do bonus episodes, but we're actually not doing those anymore. So it's all about the story and stuff. From my point of view, I'm bringing in char- people that can play characters in the in the show, if that makes sense. So, uh, Ronnie Dangerfield, I think, is the funniest human being to ever live. I love him. Oh, I do too. Uh, I, I would love to have him come in and play a character that just insults the shit out of everybody all the time. And yeah. Talks about how, how, how much his wife hates him, you know? Yeah. But, so for sure, Ronnie Dangerfield would be up there. I can just imagine now, like I thought the only dragon in here was your mother. <laughs> <laughs> that was a horrible yeah, Dangerfield impression. No, that's right. Yeah. She's a dragon. She's dragon ass. <laughs> yeah. And my Dangerfield's not very good either, but. Well, who, right. no one can do it like him. <laughs> yeah. Um, I know for me, like, uh, I, my favorite baseball player of all time is Ted Williams. Uh, not only because I find he was the greatest hitter to ever play baseball. I just find his stories very fascinating that he took time from his career to go fight for the United States in World War II as a pilot. I, I would just, to be able to talk baseball with him and then like kind of shoehorn a World War II conversation. Like he was in combat as a pilot. So like he was in the thick of shit. And I just thought, I just think he'd be a very fascinating conversation to have with somebody just to hear, just to hear the stories. Like, you know, all these old legendary players he was able to share the field with and, you know, just uh, get some of his insight and experience and what it was like to fight in the World War II. Cause I mean, my grandfather was in World War II, so I heard some of the stories from him from the Navy side of it. So, you know, be cool to yeah. hear a different branch of it, too. Man, like the balls it takes to be like a professional athlete and say, no, I'm going to put this down and I'm going to go fight for my country. Bad uh, respect. I, I think of Pat Tillman a lot. He was in a similar. Yeah. Similar issue. And it's sad because a lot of people don't even know who that is. Yeah. Honestly. I talk. I was talking to my son about Pat Tillman uh, about a month. It was right right before the NFL season ended. I was telling him about 
Pat Tillman. Yeah, it's just crazy that these guys would just give up that. The funny thing about Ted Williams, too, is the fact that when he came back and played, it's like he didn't even skip a beat. He was still a phenomenal hitter. Even when yeah. he came back, it's like it's almost like hitting to him is like us tying our shoes. Like it just was second nature to him. It was just fascinating. That's awesome, man. I I never I've heard the name before, uh, but I've never actually like seen any of his games. Baseball is really hard for me to watch. I yeah. love playing it, but I, I have a hard time watching it. Yeah, he's a. Uh, he played for the Red Sox, who a uh, friend of mine, I, I used to think they were okay, but then I had a friend that like thought that when the Red Sox won, it was the greatest thing ever. And I'm sure it is for fans, but I got sick of hearing about how great the Red Sox were after that, so now I despise them. <laughs> yeah, I I like the Red Sox like when I was watching it, but I was always an Atlanta Braves fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, my grandmother... Uh, actually loved the Atlanta Braves and she baked them cookies one time, like these cookies shaped like baseball mitts with little gumball baseballs in the middle of them. Oh yeah. During one of the games, we saw, uh, she saw him eating them in the dugout and she lost, she lost her shit when she saw that. So uh-huh. I was, uh, I always thought that was cool. So I was always a Braves fan, but I haven't watched baseball in 15 years. So, well, it's funny. You mentioned that will who comes on the show a lot too, and talks to me about wrestling. Also a huge Braves fan. Yeah. All right. All right. Yeah. Still loves them. Um, all right. Well, who would be your number four then? All right. So I'll go, I'll go back to my original list. And, uh, my number four is, uh, Keith David, who I know a lot of people might not even know who Keith David is. Cause I think he's a really underrated actor, but he was in the thing. Uh, I can't remember his guy. I can't remember his character's name. Of course. I just said he was underrated, but I also like his role. He does a lot of video games and cartoon voice work, but I love he has a very distinct voice. Yeah, if you heard it, you know exactly who he is. His role in There's Something About Mary, I love that. I think that's like prime Keith David. Um, and I just can't like not picture him screaming like, how the hell did you get the beans above the Franks? And I, you know, I, <laughs> I was, uh, I caught a movie on, uh, it might have been Tubi. And I completely forgot about this when you brought him up. Have you ever seen Men at Work? It has Charlie Sheen and Emilio Estevez as garbage yes. men. Yes, I love that movie. Yeah, and Keith David is in that. And I used to get oh, Keith shit. David and David Keith confused all the time. They're both actors. It's just like uh, Keith or David Keith is probably best known for uh, fans of Major League. He's in Major League Two as uh, Jack Parkman, the catcher. But yeah, I used to get those two guys confused all the time. Oh man, I see. I see. I just said Keith David's underrated. I didn't even remember he was in that. So that's how great he is. He, I don't even know what movies he's in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Keith David's awesome. Also, bonus points. Uh, he is in the best wrestling or movie starring a professional wrestler of all time. Too. He's in uh, They Live with Roddy Piper. Oh yeah, that I do, man. Uh, I miss Roddy Piper, <laughs> but oh yeah, so do I. I'm here to that's kick ass solid. and chew bubble gum, and I'm all out of bubble gum. Um, yeah, uh, Keith David does a lot of video game work too. He did uh, one of the commanders in Mass Effect, which is was one of my favorite video games. The first one, mm-hmm. so I and again like the thing, man. His like it's so hard. It's so easy to talk about how amazing Kurt Russell was in the thing. But that whole cast was on fire, and I just think Keith David was phenomenal in it for sure. 
The the thing I do know, uh, we just did a movie uh, episode a few weeks ago. We did the Big Lebowski, where we kind of went back and did the categories and things like that. We like we did with that crow, and mm-hmm. I'm purposely saving the thing for a crossover, but for uh, your show, and my show, I'm saving it for that reason. Man, you know what's funny is I have the board game for the thing, and I haven't even opened it yet because I wanted you to come over and and check it out. Okay, yeah, I, so that's cool. That'd be next crossover. Yeah, I was actually uh, I went down a, a John Carpenter rabbit hole not too long ago, or not rabbit hole, but like I just got really interested in his stuff again, and I I watched uh, the thing escape from like basically Carpenter's run from. Uh, Halloween until they live is pretty much, I think one of the three or four best uh, director runs of all time. Cause he, I mean, yeah. you had ha- Halloween escape from New York, the thing, uh, big trouble, little China star man. I mean, all these just home runs. I, he's in the top five of uh favorite directors of all time. And uh, it's, it's cool that like, he, Keith David was good enough to where Carpenter brought him back for They Live. Yeah. That's awesome, man. I always forget he did Big Trouble in Little China. I don't know why. That just when I think of his movies, that one never clicks. I was actually, when I was little, uh, Vampires, John Carpenter's Vampires. I was a really big fan of that. Uh, watching it as adults a little weird because James Woods is just a psycho. <laughs> but. Well, actually, fun fact about John Carpenter's Vampires is Lucas and I actually love that movie because of how bad it is and how James Woods, I think Carpenter's like, hey, Jimmy, can you bring it? And since I've, we do podcasts, we can call like actors like James Woods, like Jimmy Woods. Yeah. So this is, we're in the field now. Um, of course. I think uh, John Carpenter's like, hey, Jimmy, can you maybe just dial it down to seven. And then I think J- James Woods is seven is like a 12. <laughs> right. But I just love how ridiculously bad that movie is. Yeah. Uh, they have vampires that purr like cats. I always, I always hated that, but I don't know. I watched it a ton when I was little. Mm-hmm. So it just has that special nostalgia feeling to it. Yeah. I don't know if you watch, uh, if you're a fan of the karate kid or uh Cobra Kai, but, uh, Terry Silver from Karate Kid 3 and Cobra Kai is the vampire in that. No, I didn't know that. I don't. I haven't watched Cobra Kai at all, so. Yeah, it's a good show. It's it's starting to, like, okay, it's about time to wrap this up. <laughs> yeah. But um, my number four, uh, speaking of the thing, is uh, I would love to have Kurt Russell come on the show. Um. Uh, Simply because Kurt Russell's my favorite actor. He is the epitome of cool to me. And uh, I listened to Bill Simmons' podcast an awful lot, and he did an interview with Kurt Russell. And uh, they did a Kurt Russell movie. I'm trying to think of what... He has a show called The Rewatchables, and they did Tango and Cash. And he was talking about the interview he did with Kurt Russell, and he just said that Kurt Russell rolls in Nothing fancy. He's got a leather jacket on, white T-shirt, and he just kind of reeks of Marlboro Reds. And that's exactly how I picture Kurt Russell being, just that, that epitome of cool. And I think I could sit and talk to him for three hours just about all the movies that he's done that I love. 
I mean, I can go on from like, I was always curious about his take on Elvis. I mean, all the way, he's in the Fast and Furious movies now, which I think are awesomely bad. I absolutely adore those movies. So, I mean, I can go down his entire catalog and talk to him. Yeah, he doesn't have a bad movie. I've never seen a bad movie with Kurt Russell in it. No, I've always thought Kurt Russell was the, he could play anything. You know, he could be, and just, and be good at it. He was, he could be a white trash handyman, like he was in Overboard, all the way to being like a lawyer or like a, in Vanilla Sky or like a government, a shady government official in, uh, the Fast and Furious movies or like a cop in Tango and Cash or a, a kind of a loser truck driver like he was in Big Trouble. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, Kurt Russell's just the epitome of cool for me. And I think that if I were to ever meet a celebrity, I kind of look at them as like people like you and I, but I have a feeling that if I talk to Kurt Russell, it would essentially that episode would be like the Chris Farley show on Saturday Night Live when he would interview like famous people like, hey, remember when you did uh, the thing? That was awesome. <laughs> that would just be the extent yeah. of my interview. Yeah, man, I have to agree. So Kurt Russell is my favorite actor. But That's like, how you and I became friends, close. as a matter of fact. Yeah, uh, it's not even close. So I don't have him on my list, unfortunately, but... I think there's not there's not a better actor, and it's funny because his birthday was not too long ago. Yep. And uh, where I work at a, at an animal rescue, and every dog that we took in that day, I named after a Kurt Russell character. Oh. So we have like we have like McCready and Cash and all them hanging out. I don't remember all the other ones. Snake. But, uh, yeah, uh, Pliskin actually. I named it Pliskin. Okay. And, uh, Burton. Mister Nobody. So, uh, no, I didn't do Mister Nobody. I should have. Santa Claus. We only, we only had like we only had like seven come in that day. Okay, so I ain't gonna do. I ain't, I ain't gonna do all of them. But yeah, man, there's not there's not a better, more iconic actor, and he's seventy two. Man, he does not look like seventy two. No. And I'll be honest, not to get into more personal stuff, but he just seems like a really calm, like nice, level headed dude. Also, you know, he don't. You know, we we talked about Mel Gibson earlier. He definitely doesn't seem like he's had any kind of drama or any kind of issues that have held him back. And maybe that's why he's such a prolific actor is he just keeps his, uh, what's the phrase? Keeps his nose clean. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's one of those guys that I think should have been bigger than he was. He never quite got to that, that top tier, like the AAA plus that he should have. Well, does he live in Hollywood? I don't know if he lives in Hollywood or not, but like I don't know, it just it seemed like he never was like one of the like the elite guys. He always seemed like when he was cast in movies, like because I there's a couple movies that we did on our show where he was considered for a role, but it's it almost seemed like it's because they couldn't get you know A, B, or C. So we'll look at D. If Kurt Russell's available, we'll get him. Yeah. But I also think that's probably one of the reasons like I think he's my favorite actor too. Is he's not like he's the guy that you could like, oh fuck, I'm sitting here with Tom Cruise. It's like, oh, hey, here's Kurt Russell. He wants to grab a beer with me. Awesome. I will totally have a beer and smoke a cigarette, even though I don't smoke cigarettes anymore with Kurt Russell. No, I don't smoke either, but man, if Kurt Russell asked me for a smoke a cigarette, yeah. Like <laughs> not no question. Yeah, I'll suck it up, no pun intended. Uh who's is there a 
I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just going to ask uh, who's next on your list. Oh, um, we'll go to the next one. Uh, so I should have said this before, but I... Well, this is in no order, just... Okay, well, so we did an episode last year, I think it's when it released last year, and it was us casting the, a movie, like the cinematic universe of our podcast. So I purposely didn't do any crossover with that one. So I just, I should preface that, so I tried to pick more more specific voice actors and stuff. So my next one is Billy West, who Billy West is probably most famous for uh, doing the voice of Fry off Futurama. And I know he's a musician. He does a lot of stuff, but he also did the voice for Doug, the cartoon Doug, which was one of my favorites when I was like a wee, a wee kid. But uh, Futurama just, that's probably the show that, you know, I think everybody has a show that was like their show as they were growing up and that like impacted their lives drastically and Futurama was mine. Mm-hmm. So I just, for me to be able to have that person who basically was the voice of a character that was like my idol growing up or like my childhood hero or whatever. Um, it's weird to say that Fry is my childhood hero, but that's how sad my childhood was. <laughs> but how, like just having that in the show and then being able to maybe talk with them about stuff. I don't know. It just would be really cool mm-hmm. to have him voice a character. Yeah. Um, I know, uh, I'm not really in, I, everyone tells me I need to watch Futurama because I'm a huge fan of the Simpsons, but, um, never gotten to watch this, uh, Futurama for some reason. I know the character. I've seen some episodes, yeah. but never could never found the time to sneak Futurama in there. So it's, it's, I get why people say that, but just in my opinion, it's nothing like The Simpsons. I think The Simpsons is just really like, it's just like, I don't know, joke after joke after joke. And there's not a ton of like, I don't want to say there's not continuity, but it's The Simpsons in my mind. It's just how many jokes can we get out? How many funny things can we we get out as fast as possible? Uh And Futurama, Futurama is just way more calculated. All of their jokes have like, you know, these different levels of thought that go into them. And you know, you can watch an episode a hundred times and on that hundred time you're seeing new stuff and hearing new stuff that you didn't realize before. Mm-hmm. So I, I think Futurama is definitely, I wouldn't say it's the best show ever. I mean, it's, I mean, it's a comedy show and a cartoon, but I definitely think it's the best like adult animation ever made. Mm-hmm. I, I hear that a lot. It's, uh, it's usually like for me, like I'm always, <clears throat> I'm ride or die with the Simpsons up until like, probably season 12. It's when it really starts to get on a decline. But, uh, yeah, man, like one of these days I'll just, I'm really bad about watching television shows. Like I have a list of probably 10 or 11 shows that I have either started and have not finished or that I need to start. And it has nothing to do with the quality of the program. It just, I get burned out or I get focused on doing something else and just forget about it. Yeah. Like, uh, I'm a huge, uh, Mad Men, the show Mad Men. Love that show. Watched it. I've got two episodes to go till I'm completely done with it, but I have not revisited that show in probably eight years. So now to be able to watch the last two episodes, I have to watch the whole run again. Yeah. And I only had two episodes to finish. That's wild, man. I, I can relate really, really hard to that because Breaking Bad, I'm the same exact way. Breaking Bad was my favorite show while it was there. And man, I love that show. 
and I've only I haven't seen like the last half of the last season. Oh, it's honestly, it's honestly because while it was airing, I met my now wife. So like we were hanging out all the time and she hadn't watched it. So I didn't want to like have her watch it as, you know, start with the last season. And then we just never got around to it. So we, um, I I tried Matt. I tried watching Mad Men. I just honestly couldn't get that into it. I only watched the first two or three episodes. Mm. It's one of those shows like once you get to know the characters and who they are, it gets much better. I only bought it because uh, the Blu-rays were on sale at a uh, on Black Friday one year at Best Buy, the Evil Empire, if you will. <laughs> yeah. uh, I think they were like six bucks for the first yeah. three seasons. So I'm like, shit, I'm just gonna go ahead and do this. And I bought them, and then like just ripped through them in like no time. Maybe I'll give them another shot when I when I start watching stuff again. I do like John Hamm. I think John Hamm's awesome. So. Oh yeah, John Hamm is. An incredible actor who I don't know is just has such a great range. He's he can do drama and he's also I think he's hysterical. He's one of the best Saturday Night Live hosts they've ever had. That's high praise really? for me. That's cool. I've never I've never seen I haven't seen his Saturday Night Lives. Oh yeah, he's a uh, I think he's part of the five the five members club now. Oh okay, I just. Man, I, I love it because we'll, he, he guest stars in so much stuff. We'll just be watching something random, and then John Hamm's there. Yeah. Like, what? what? <laughs> Why is John Hamm here? Mercedes was watching a show. I don't, It was on Netflix. This was like a few years ago, and it was about like this cult that was like an underground doomsday cult, and then it turned out it was just this guy lying to all these women. Oh, the unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. That show's fucking hilarious. Yeah, yeah we watched that, and like John Hamm's just in that. It's like, oh, okay, <laughs> John Hamm's here, everybody. Yeah, so that's, I sat down and watched it because of that. Yeah, that show is hysterical. Uh, I know. Uh, I used for a couple of weeks, anyways. Uh, she says something about her Hulkamania is flaring up, <laughs> so I've used that a couple of times. Um, I know. Uh, number three for me uh, is David Bowie. Yeah. Uh, I've just been, uh, I'm fascinated by the fact that of, uh, somebody in the entertainment field, usually when they try to do something new, it usually fails and they end up going back to the same formula. It happens in movies all the time. Like it's very rare for somebody to be successful in one genre and then try something new and it, it almost never works out. But David Bowie has been able to do it time and time and time again, just create some new persona or like uh, like a new like branch of who he is, and it, it always worked out for him. I just find that so fascinating. And just I think it'd be a good conversation to get into like his mindset on how he created these personas and you know how they came to be, you know, why change from one to another? Does he get bored with it or what? I just, I find that would be a very fascinating conversation to have with somebody. Yeah. I mean, David Bowie, like just in general, he's one of those people you could sit down with and have a conversation. I feel like every sentence would just blow my mind. Yeah. I, yeah. That's exactly how I feel about it too. Like I would just I, be, I have, I have honestly, I have him up there with, 
with Jim Morrison, who's my favorite musician of all time, but I think he's right up there as far as these people who just had, they seem to have like this better understanding of like existential things. I don't know if that makes any sense, but yeah, that's yeah, for sure. I'd love to just sit and talk with him, man. Or I'd like, actually, I'd rather listen to you sit and talk with him on your podcast. Well, yeah, there you go. Uh, on Apple, watched, Spotify, wherever you get podcast. <laughs> have you watched any of his son's movies? Uh, Duncan, uh, Duncan Jones. Yeah. Uh, I've seen moon and I've seen, he did source code, right? Yeah. Yeah. He did moon and source code. I didn't like source code as much. Moon is amazing. I yeah. Think moon, moon is really good. Is, is like the most criminally underrated movie or in the top 10 at least. But he also did mute with uh, one of the, I think one of the Skarsgårds, Skarsgårds brothers. Mm. It's on Netflix. There's like nine it's, of them, I think. Yeah. It has uh, Paul Rudd plays the bad guy. And it's crazy to see Paul Rudd play a bad guy. Yeah. Because you because it's Paul Rudd, so you want to like him. But he's just this disgusting person. Oh, uh, wow. If you, ever, if you have time to watch it, man, that movie's fantastic. It's about this. I think. It was a while ago, but I think it said this guy looking for his girlfriend who's disappeared, but he can't talk. He had an injury to his throat when he was younger, and it's it's in the future, but he's like this Amish woodworker. It's it's wild. It's it's cool because I think that and Moon, like you can almost tell that whoever made those was inspired by some like just craziness, and that you yeah. know that all connects to David Bowie, in my opinion. So yeah. that's a dude. That's awesome. I that's a really good one. I see. I didn't even think of any. I didn't think of anybody like that. Yeah, David Bowie will probably give me bonus points with my wife too. She's a huge David Bowie fan, so I didn't put it on there just for that. But if it helps out, it helps out. <laughs> well, funny. Um, I used to get David Bowie and Billy Idol mixed up when I was a kid because I love both <laughs> of them. Yeah, but like talk about differences. I you know they couldn't they. I don't want to say they couldn't be further apart, but it's just their names. I'd always mix them up. Yeah, so I'd be talk. I'd be talking about David Bowie, but I'd say Billy Idol, and everybody look at me like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Yeah, David Bowie never did uh, Rebel Yell. Yeah. He did Rebel Rebel. <laughs> well, yeah. See, see, I'm not. See, I'm not crazy. I'm not too. Far no, off. you're not too far off. Uh, who else would be uh, a dream guest of yours? All right, I got two more, and I don't know what order these were in, but these are definitely my and, top two. No order, just in this. This might be this. If we do crossover, this might be one. Um, somebody who I like loved growing up, and I actually loved him so much. I listened because he narrated his own books that he wrote. I listened to those, and they were just amazing. We would like sit around the campfire listening to How to Make Love the Bruce Campbell Way. Oh, and it was some of the best experiences of my youth. So, definitely Bruce Campbell. I think he's phenomenal. Um, I think yeah, his hilarious. I would love for him to just come in and tell me about the business and like, you know, just talk about kind of what he's been through as this like intentional, intentional B movie actor. Cause I do believe Bruce Campbell could have been in some of the greatest movies or some of the most popular like award Academy award movies ever. But I think he chose to do these kind of B movies cause they were more fun and they were just more him. Mm-hmm. And then I, I would really love for him to voice just, I don't know. I just love for him to voice Ash just in in my in the Knights of Degradation world. Maybe have him teleport there somehow. I don't know. That would just be cool. But I I love Bruce Campbell and he was at the front of my mind because I think he's in uh, Cincinnati this week or next week or sometime soon. Uh, he was just at uh, <laughs> or the Horror Hound convention. Uh, it's a, like a Comic-Con that they do uh, 
in Sharonville, which is near Cincinnati, which okay. uh, my wife and I went to Lexing- the Lexington Comic Con, and we had uh, we were really tossing around the idea of we were going to go to Comet or Horror Hound instead to see Bruce Campbell, but we opted not to because Bruce is doing this uh, traveling game show slash screening of one of his movies, and they're going to be in the Columbus area. The end of April, I think. So we decided, yeah. like, well, all right, we'll go to uh, this other Comic Con since we're going to see Bruce Campbell like later in, later in the year. Or so, but I absolutely adore Bruce Campbell. Uh, yeah, we he's sorry. Oh, we went to uh, we went to a uh, screening. I forget what movie it was. It wasn't. I think it was. I forget the name of it, but basically this town recruits Bruce Campbell to help them fight these zombies. Yeah, I forget the uh, name of the movie. My name is Bruce. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and we went to a screening of that where he was there. And you could not find a more charming individual. Yeah. It's... And, dude, I, I love his movies. I So it's like a running joke in my like my whole family that I believe that Bubba Hotep was a documentary and that it really happened. Uh-huh. So if anyone, if anyone brings up Elvis or uh, like JFK, I always talk about how actually Elvis and JFK fought a mummy together. And I take it totally seriously. <laughs> <laughs> Cause that was, again, Bubba Hotep was just a wild movie. There's so when I was growing up, my mom worked at a, like a video store just in a real small town and there was just a few movies that she wouldn't allow me to check out to bring home anymore. And Bubba Hotep was one of them. Really? After about the, yeah. After about the 30th time, she's like, I ain't watching this shit anymore. Cole, we're not bringing this home. Uh, uh-huh. the only other one I guess was the exorcist. Cause you know, you know, it was real religious growing up. And then, uh, and then, uh, Kung Pao enter the fist as another one. She said, no, I ain't watching this shit anymore. But I, yeah, Bubba Hotep's great. Bruce Campbell, Again, I can't think of anything he's in that's bad. He was he's really good in like more serious stuff too. I love him in Burn Notice. Yeah. I think he's fantastic in that. Mm-hmm. So I just about anything. My name is Bruce is hilarious. So he can I just like that he can sit back and make satire about his own career. Mm-hmm. You know. I don't think nowadays especially, I don't think a lot of people have the balls to do that. Right, yeah. I uh fun fact about Bubba Hotep, when uh Netflix used to rent DVDs. I got the three DVD package, and uh, Bubba Hotep was one of the first movies I got. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, d- dude, that's – I don't know. If if I know someone who doesn't know about that movie, I immediately tell them the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, like I would – for me, it's definitely – if you're going to do a Bruce Campbell marathon, it's – the th- for me, it would be the three Evil Deads and Bubba Hotep. For sure. I think uh, – I'd like to see a Bubba Hotep two, where the real Elvis teams up with an Elvis impersonator played by Kurt Russell. Oh, dude, that's a cr- and the cool thing of it is, uh, we could do a crossover episode and have Bruce Campbell and Kurt Russell on it to promote it. Yeah, yeah. See, I'd, we'll get them. Up, we'll call their agents and we'll make that happen. Yeah, I'll just actually as soon as we get done with this, I'll call up Kurt Russell's agent. Like, hey man, I got a friend of mine's got a pitch for a movie that I think. <laughs> Might be right up Kurt's alley. Yeah, right. 
I think I'm sure there's a Bubba Hotep two script floating around out there somewhere. somewhere. I know they had tossed around the idea for a while, and I just think it never came to fruition. Of course, now Ozzy Davis has passed away, so uh, you, he couldn't be in it. Well, yeah, he dies in that anyways, doesn't he? I don't it, think so. It's maybe, I haven't. Maybe, I don't know. I haven't seen Bubba Hotep in quite a long time, so I guess there's another thing I have to watch is mute followed by Bubba Hotep again. Oh, it's a one-two punch, man. Yeah. Those movies couldn't be more different, but you'll be fine. Yeah, watch <laughs> Elvis and JFK fight monsters and zombies and Paul Rudd be a bad guy. Yeah. Well, you know, it's funny. The, they fight a cowboy mummy in that, and Paul Rudd's character is kind of like a futuristic cowboy. So there's a connection. Oh, okay. There we go. It, there's there's the tie that binds the double feature together. Um, I know for me, number two, uh, when I was talking about reinvention and how I find that fascinating, I always find fascinating too is, uh, I guess they're called Renaissance men where they're great at a lot of different things. Um, this guy has been a, uh, an actor, an author, a podcaster. He's a professional wrestler. Uh, Chris Jericho. What? I would love to have him on the show just to be able to pick his brain more than anything, like just to kind of maybe help steer me in the path on how to, how to be like time management more than anything. I don't know how this guy has time to do all this stuff. No, you're right, man. He's always, yeah, he's always doing something and he's doing like multiple things at a time. Like he's on a Fozzie tour while he's on dynamite and he's filming a movie. Yeah. And he still does his podcast two times a week. Yeah, I just yeah, I find crazy. it incredible to be like, where do you find a time to be so good at so many different things? Yeah, that's what's crazy is he doesn't just do all those things. He's like the best at most of those things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, I wouldn't have a problem saying he's the best wrestler ever just because of no one's reinvented themselves like Chris Jericho. And I don't think anyone has the stay that he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know for a fact, like my wife hates music. She does not listen to music. Fozzie is one of the very few bands she'll listen to because she just loves it. Like she thinks it's great. And I do too, but you know, again, he doesn't just do these things. He does them all so well. And I think he has one of the best podcasts out too, honestly. Oh yeah. Um, his, uh, his podcast is a destination. Listen for me. Uh, and that's what I want my show to be at some point is, like, well, when it comes out, like, oh, uh, yep, new episodes out. I got to listen to it right right now. For sure, man. I used to listen to it, like, as I went to bed every night, and then I discovered that I actually wasn't falling asleep because I was listening to the podcast. So I had to stop. Oh, mine or his? His, yeah. Okay, I was going to say, if you if you said, like, I listened to yours, and then, like, when I was going to bed and fell asleep, like, yep, that's the reaction that everybody says. Like, yeah, I listen to it to fall asleep. No, no, I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Now I feel bad. Uh, who's your? Who would be uh, your last dream guest? So my last one is. I don't know. I feel, I always feel like nobody knows who this is, but he's pretty popular now. Um, I first saw him in a show called Garth Marenghi's Dark Place, which is this really weird British TV show that's about like this writer who's just super pompous, and he's like making a show out of stuff he's written. Um. And then it turns out it's the first thing that this guy ever acted in. And he was like 33, which was really cool. And then he was in a few movies, but the biggest 
he's in now is a show called uh, What We Do in the Shadows, and it's Matt Berry. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that show at all. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah, so and I Matt know, does Barry... it have the same cast from the movie, or is it a completely different it's a completely different the people the guys from the movies are in a few episodes, but it's a completely different cast. It's like set in the United States and stuff and it's it's pretty funny. The newer stuff's not that great, but it, Matt Barry just makes it amazing. Um, he's also his I guess his other big thing was the it crowd. I don't know if okay. you've ever seen that, but he plays the the new bosses you know, he's the boss's son that comes in after the first boss kills himself. Okay. He's he's amazing in that and his one his voice is so distinct. I think it's if you were to look up something and hear his voice, you would be like, "Oh, I've heard that here here and here." Uh because he there's no one who has a voice like him. And Garth Mangy's Dark Place, uh actually I swore that they dubbed it. And I was like, "That's not a real voice. They had to edit that somehow, but uh-huh. it's not. He's he's fantastic. He does uh a lot of voice work for cartoons and stuff now too. That Disenchantment show um, that was made by the guys who made Futurama, actually, for Netflix. He is in that. He played the prince who gets turned into a pig. Uh-huh. So he's pretty funny. He usually plays, like, a sexual deviant and stuff, but I just think he's... I put him as, like, my final one just because I think that is, like, my dream dream person to work with because I think creatively he's awesome and he does music and stuff like that, too. Mm-hmm. But he's somebody who got started later in life, which kind of gives me hope, right? But then also he's just incredibly talented and really entertaining. Mm. That's a good one. Um, I know for me the last one, uh, it's really tough because it was between two comedians and who are no longer with us. Um, Unfortunately, I bumped one of them off. But but the last dream guest that I would love to have my show would be George Carlin. Yeah. Simply because like he has such a like such a wit about him and it's like basically he has these really fascinating takes on just the simplest stuff. I I f- have always found him hilarious even when I was a kid and didn't get some of the stuff that he said. But I think he's just such a groundbreaking comedian and I just think that it would just be a very fascinating conversation just to let just to hear his thoughts on everything that I had questions about. For sure, man. I think, I don't know if this is the right word or if it's too dramatic or anything, but he was, in my opinion, one of the most like enlightened people. Yeah. Like he just, he just, he just could discern bullshit and he just had a, like, I think if he was alive today, he'd basically be like, yeah, I fucking told you 20 years ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think he was a genius and I think he was, if he wasn't a comedian, he would have been a philosopher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. Uh, my two of my favorite comedians uh, come from that same era, and I was thinking it would be uh, him or Richard Pryor would be the two guys that I was debating about. But I favor Carlin slightly more than Richard Pryor. But yeah, it just yeah. he has just a fascinating view of things, and I just think that would be just a great conversation to have with somebody. And that'd also be one of those sure. instances where that show could end up easily turning into like the Chris Farley show again. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. like, I mean, and you mentioned prior, like, I mean, those are like the two best comedians ever. Right. So I think either one of those are good, but I will say I lean more towards Carlin too, because I just think he had this, 
again, he just was more enlightened. Like he would say stuff and you just be like, wow, holy shit, he's right. Mm-hmm. Which is what comedy is supposed to do. It's supposed to like open people's eyes to things, you know? Yeah. Well, Hey man, I, I think your list was uh, awesome. And hopefully we can build our uh, audience stuff to where we can get one of these dream guests. I mean, mine would be somewhat difficult because some of my guys are dead, but <laughs> yeah, Hey, you never know, man. Technology comes a long way, moves real quick. So, or I, somebody comes back in a time machine, either a DeLorean or a phone booth. No, I'd say it's far more likely you get like a deep fake, which is scary as hell because that's like a real thing now. But yeah, you get like a deep fake of Carlin's voice and face, and yeah, it'd be yeah, that actually might happen. So now I'm upset. <laughs> well, if I turn it into a YouTube show, then yeah, I'll totally do that. Yeah, right. I'll just have fucking Lucas come on. Like, hey, man, just be George Carlin for 45 minutes. Yeah, right. Put on this green suit so we can put Carlin's body over and you can put his voice in the chat, whatever, GPT or whatever, and it'll mimic it. Yeah. I don't think that's what mimics it, but. Um, last question before we wrap this up. Uh, what are your uh, goals for your show? Like, what uh, what do you uh, – want to see happen for your show like that for the next year? Well, we, uh, I think I mentioned earlier, we wrapped up season one and it's going to be coming out sporadically, not sporadically. I'm sorry. It's going to be coming out consistently uh, until it's over, which I think it's clocking in at like 33 to 35 episodes. So it'll run like April, May and June Mm. is when it'll wrap up. And then we're going to be recording season two over the next like two months instead of like meeting once a month and then rec- you know recording editing and putting it up doing that we're meeting like two or three times a week for two to three months and recording our entire season and then editing it and then releasing it just to be more consistent and the whole point of doing that is so we can free up our time to work on some other projects so with the podcast specifically we're just hoping for consistency Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not really, you know, you always dream of being able to make enough money to do a full time and, you know, and just have fun and not stress about stuff like that. But really, I just want I want it to be efficient and I just want it to be consistent. Right. We have a really great story and really great characters that we're working with and that we've created. And I have enough content to go for a few more years. And I just like that's my goal. I just want to finish telling our story. Okay. Uh, through the podcast. So that's that's kind of a cop-out answer because it's like, oh, I, my goal is to just be doing it. But I, I think for a podcast, that's a pretty reasonable goal considering how many podcasts just kind of fade away. So, Yeah, I read something where, uh, like, what was it? It was something like uh, during the pandemic, I think it was like f- 10 or 15 million people started podcasts, but none of them, like, that number drops significantly when like those same podcasts like to get to like the 10th or 15th episode. Like they yeah, start them and don't do it. It's tough because it is like a full-time job. Sometimes like you got to plan and you got to actually do the recording and come up with content and, and then edit it and release it and deal with hosting and try and market. It's, it's legit. Like when people, like when I, when I have to go do something for the podcast, I tell people I have to go to work. Honestly, like yeah. it's, far, it's way easier to say that than to go through all the things like, oh, you do a podcast or you record. No, I'm going to spend eight hours editing and nitpicking. And then I'm going to be on Twitter for two hours trying to 
get people to listen, you know? Yeah. Well, let me ask you a follow-up question. What are the biggest challenges for you, like doing a podcast, especially one of yours, like you work full-time, you're married, you have a child. I mean, and plus I'm sure you have like outside interest outside of that. Like what's the biggest challenges for you, like doing this show? Honestly, like without question, time away from my son. And I say that because like time, you know, because kind of bad doesn't like time away from my wife isn't as bad because I get to spend the early mornings and the late evenings with her when my son's sleeping. But my son, you know, he has this window where he's awake and where he's not eating or pooping, you know, or napping. So there's not as much time in the day for him. And I'm usually at work in the mornings. And when I have to do podcast stuff in the evenings, I mean, I, we almost, I don't even know if I've told the guys this before, but I talked to Mercedes or I talked to my wife and I legitimately told her like, Hey, I really want to quit because I feel like I'm not getting to spend the time with, with our son that I want to. And that's, that is more important. It really is. Yeah. But you know, I kind of found a nice balance, especially now the editing's not taking so long and it's I'm still working on it and it's still getting to me because like I this is getting into like sappy personal stuff. But like my dad wasn't around growing up and I had like no father figures and stuff. And I know it's different because I'm working and trying to do things, but it's still I don't know. So, you know, it still hits me really hard. Sometimes I have to like just take a moment and collect myself. But that's yeah. definitely the hardest thing is is knowing that time that I'm putting into the podcast is time that I could be playing with my son and that. Some, you know, sometimes I can shake that off and be like, well, you know, the podcast is is the road to hopefully a, a, a nice free financial future or however I, I could think of a better way to word that. But it's like a road to a better future for us. But then sometimes it's like, yeah, but right now I'm missing out on things. Yeah, so that's that's by far. I mean, that's really the only thing that hits me up and chokes me up. Sometimes the technical stuff like that pisses me off and I get frustrated, but it never it never slows me down. Yeah. Yeah. I know that's for me. It's just like, you know, working full time. I have two kids. Uh, one is kind of like getting ready to become a teenager. And then I have a four year old and it's just, it's between, you know, <clears throat> balancing these, these hats between, you know, the worker bee trying to be, you know, a good husband and spend time with my wife, trying to be a good dad with my kids. And I mean, just sometimes like at the end of the day, it's just after all that, just you, you leave everything on, like I'm the type of person, I leave everything on the table. And by the time, like I just, it's just me. It's just sometimes it's struggling to find the, the, the mental strength to, to do it. And it's, <clears throat> not that I don't want to, it just like, I'm just so tapped by the end of the day that I always feel like I can't give it everything that I have because I have nothing left. And yeah, I, I totally understand. I, I like the phrase. I actually said this to one of the bosses at the big horrible blue store one time. And it's that like, I, I like an empty, like an empty bottle can't fill a glass. Right. So, like, if you're running on empty, the stuff you're trying to fill is not going to work. So I I totally get that. That's I think part of that's part of just being a person and like having like normal struggles. But then when you're trying to do so many things and you're trying to do them well, 
you know, because like I know you really care about the podcast and you take it really seriously. And that kind of can backfire sometimes because then, like I said earlier, just be, it's literally a second job. Yeah, um, I've I've kind of like learned to like for me, like kind of back off that a little bit. I look at it now since I've started this new format. It's just a way for me to like shoot the sh- shit with my friends for like an hour or so. Like, you know, like I got you on, like, I know you and I still communicate through text, but we don't really see each other face to face too much or talk yeah. on the phone. So it's nice to like invite you on the show and just shoot shit with you for a little bit. And, you know, that's if, true. I mean, yeah, that's great. And if people listen to it, awesome. They find it, our talk fascinating. Awesome. But at the same time, it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, will these guys shut up or I'm just going to find something else. Like, all right, that's cool too. You know, I, I get out of it like I still got to talk to my friend for an hour. Yeah, that's that's true. That's a really that's like a really positive way to to look at it. John kind of tells me that all the time too, uh, because he's like, well, you know, I'm, he always says like, I'm just happy to be hanging out and spending time with y'all. And I was like, yeah, that's really that's a really great part of it too. But I still can't not think about all the extra work. <laughs> yeah. During so. Yeah, I mean, I st- I get that. Like, you know, it's still a good way to talk to my friends, but I am also like, you know, I would kind of like to do this for, you know, a living or at least like make it worth like worthwhile. Like people are listening to it. So, you know, it's like, okay, I, there's a, a result to all the work I put into it. So, well, I'll be honest, man, like consistency is the biggest thing, which I know has been kicking our ass, but also adapting and changing so you know i think the people who are doing this full time will tell you like yeah you just stay consistent keep at it and adapt and adjust when you need to and i think you've been doing that pretty well so and i i like oh shucks thanks man (laughs) well really i again like you you went from being a movie podcast and then shifted into something that you were more comfortable with and like that i think appeals to a wider audience and like i said i think you're doing it pretty well and I think your relaxation definitely comes through more too. And and your quality of guest is just through the roof these days. I mean, you got me on here. Yeah, that you're like the big fish. You and the missus. My missus is I haven't had her on in a while and then I got her back recently. So, yeah, uh it just it's I think it's just a, a cool way to shoot the shit with my friends, so yeah, that was a joke about me being a great guest. No, not at all, man. It's uh, uh, it, you you would be number six on my list of dream guests to have on the show. Oh man, well I don't have. I'm here. I don't have to be on the list. I can be on the the list we do ten years. The list you do ten years from now about yeah. the best guests you've ever had. I'll be right up there with Kurt Russell. Hey, you know what though? I mean, if we're giving out, if you're giving out verbal BJ's, I'm just gonna go ahead and give one too. Feel free to use that on your podcast. That's what I call compliments, uh, verbal BJs. Okay. I will uh, shoehorn I'll that make, into something like <laughs> a verbal BJ. I'll, I'm going to have to figure out if I'm comfortable with that or not. I don't know. I don't know if, the, uh, if that fits into your world or not, but I'll, I'll force it in there. All right. Which is probably, probably yeah. <laughs> Just like, may I give you a verbal BJ, milady? Your dress is absolutely ravishing this evening. <laughs> I know that sucks. No, no, I, that's all right. I was just like, yeah, I can make that work. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> so. <laughs> all right. Well, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, 
where can people find the Knights of Degradation podcast? Well, uh, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, but if you go to our website, knights.fm, it has all of our episodes on there in order. And then it also actually has some extra stuff. You get to read about the characters a little bit, just some extra stuff about the show. And we're going to be building on that through the summer. So awesome. Knights.fm. Awesome. Cole, it was a pleasure having you on the show. I really enjoy talking to you and we uh, need to get together a lot more often than a year almost. So yeah, for That's- sure, man. We're like Haley's Comet of friends. I feel bad. Like I don't get to see you anywhere near as often as I'd like. Well, and- we'll, we'll have to start changing that. So, uh, great talking with you, man. Um, be sure to, uh, follow our show on, uh, Instagram. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. Uh, where, wherever you get your podcast, shoot us an email. If you like what we're doing or you absolutely hate it and want to let me know that our show sucks and I need to stop, you can email me at couch potato podcast at gmail.com. Uh, if you do dig what we're doing here, please, please give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. So until next time, we will talk to you guys later.